Um, but uh, man, we're in this, in, in this series, Boundaries. We know boundaries protects us. We know boundaries um, aren't selfish. We know boundaries is really protects love. Boundaries helps us, guides us, leads us. Uh, in, in God's word, there's boundaries all throughout his word. And boundaries aren't rules and regulations. Boundaries are guidelines. They help us because God loves us. And uh, really a loving parent sets boundaries or guidelines on their children. A unloving parent, I know, right, has no boundaries. They just do whatever. I don't necessarily care. And But when we have boundaries, that really protects who we are and our identity in Christ Jesus. Raise your hand if you're a marathon runner. Any marathon runners? You run, you run, there's one. There's two, kind of. Right, you're like, he, he just said, don't label me, all right? Anyone else, anyone else run? You like running? You, you run, run, running, running, right, running? I asked my wife the other day, I said, uh, Lindsay, do you want to do a marathon sometime? She goes, oh, no, it's bad on your knees. You know, like, like you just wrote, like, it's terrible. We should not do that. My doctor says we cannot, you know, like, and uh, uh, running, uh, uh, so marathon runners, things like that. One year I participated in a marathon. One year I did participate in the marathon. Uh, I passed all water at the 5K. <laughs> I passed all water, right? And I was praying for people like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? You know, like, right? Yeah. Like, I was like, why did you do this to yourself? You know, and I, no, I was cheering people on like, you got this. You know, I'm glad not to be you. You know, and uh, as I was passing out water. And, I, and can I tell you, uh, Pastor Joke, I run every single morning down the hall to the bathroom. That's courtesy. You guys are tough today. Online audience, please, you better be typing better than they're laughing, all right? And, uh, uh, but yeah, one, uh, I've noticed at, at marathons, they put up the, uh, the guardrails. In a marathon, um, Las Vegas, uh, Rock and Roll, Chris was at Rock and Roll uh, uh, Marathon, right? Or uh, you know, uh, Rock and Roll Marathon here in Vegas. And it's really cool because you could run down the strip, downtown, things like that. And about the only time you could run downtown and be safe. Can I get an amen, you know? And, uh, and so they put the guardrails up. And I noticed with the guardrails, the guardrails tell you where to go. Even at a marathon, they place in, uh, volunteers in areas that say, don't go this way, go that way, go that way, go that way, you got this, you got this, and they, they cheer you on. How many believe that should be our local church, right? Like we're going, hey, you're going the wrong way, go this way, you got this, you can do it, right? And that's the context of our small group, context of community. Uh, it is so much funner to be doing something hard and difficult with people cheering you on. That's good right there, that'll preach, huh? But I've noticed that if I ever ran a marathon, this would probably be what I would do, like a big one, like Boston or New York. I would probably hop over the guardrail, go down an alley, find coffee, get an Uber, and find my way at the end, right? But what if somebody were to hop a guardrail, go over the boundary, and they begin to run the wrong way? They're probably not going to win the race. And so many times with us, we think, well, I don't need boundaries. I'm doing just fine. I'm here to tell you, we're probably not as healthy as we really think. And in the Bible, there is a city that had zero boundaries. City called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a city without boundaries. Many people equate uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah to Las Vegas, Nevada. And can I just tell you, I'm offended by that in Jesus' name, because where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I'm here to tell you, uh, uh, 
I mean, and I, I've heard people say there's such an oppression over Las Vegas. I don't think so. This is God's city. And the Bible says that we're light in a dark place. We're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so don't talk about my city like that because people from, from other cities are coming to my city and they're making it Sin City. So Omaha, go back. <laughs> All right? But really, it's Sodom and Gomorrah was a city without boundaries. And so I want to go to Genesis 19, and there's so much I can unpack, but, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure I have enough time today. And in, in Genesis, you have Abram and Sarai, and God spoke to Abram and said, go that way. And, and Abram's like, well, well, what's my next step? And that's what faith is. A lot of times faith, God doesn't give you the whole, uh, you know, vision layout and the 10, 20 steps you got to take. Vision is that way. Just go that way. And so Abram and Sarah, uh, they packed up uh, all that they had, uh, you know, their servants, as well as Abram's nephew, Lot. And so they went to the, to the, to the land that God wanted them to inhabit. And Abram said, okay, uh, Lot, do you want the tough and difficult land or do you want the nice land? And Lot said, I'll take the nice land, you know. And uh, in the nice land, a city was there called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a city without boundaries, without boundaries. Anything went, anything goes. What happens in Sodom stays in Sodom, you know? And so this is a city without boundaries. And then Abram's praying and, and the Lord says, it's because the city doesn't have boundaries, I'm going to destroy the city. And Abram said, my nephew Lot's there with his family. And will you go save them? Will you rescue them? There was one man who was righteous, and that is Lot. And so God sends angels. And the angels here are, are labeled as men in Genesis 19. And the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Is there anyone in your home? You know it's really important who you do life with. Can I get an amen? Right? And he said, is there anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, anyone that you have in the city? Bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And so here's the warning. Get out. Bring all your friends and family out. Here's the next one. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Now, I don't, you know, we'll keep going, all right? This is a major theological thing, but we don't got time for that, all right? And he overthrew the cities and, and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city, uh, what grew on the ground. And I want you to say this. Everyone say, but... But, all right, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I don't know why salty, because she was salty. I have no idea. I have no clue why it was a pillar of salt, but she basically disintegrated. And this is the, the, the context that I want to use today as we start to, uh, you know, get out of our boundaries uh, collection of talks into Easter season of Avenue church. I'm going to pray this real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. God, I thank you. Uh, Father, I thank you for the development of this message. Father, I thank you for what you've done inside of us during this series. Now, Father, I pray that not only today do we walk out totally different, totally healed, totally set free and redeemed, but Father, I pray we walk out of here healthier than when we walked in. In Jesus' name, I pray. Help my golf game. And everybody said, amen. Now, I want you to notice, we know this statement. If you want to get healthy, you have to develop boundaries, okay? If you want to get healthy, you, you, uh, you, we must develop boundaries. I encourage you, leaders, take notes. Take some notes on your phones, on, on Facebook posts, 
Instagram story, paper. Remember, remember paper? Paper, crazy, right? But take some notes. If you want to get healthy, you have to develop boundaries. We've been hammering this on and on, on and on for several weeks. If you want to get healthy, you have to develop boundaries. But here is where I really believe we get stuck. I want to be healthy. I want to develop boundaries. But here's where we get stuck. But in order to do that, we have to lose in order to gain. We have to lose in order to gain. Many times we, when we set boundaries with someone, we risk losing the love that you have craved for a long time. We risk losing the love that we crave for a long time. Many times we'll place an expectation on someone and we say, this is what you're supposed to be to me, but they never become that to you And you don't just go, boundary, and you walk away. We stay in that relationship hoping it's going to change. Hoping that they will achieve what you have in your heart or in your mind that you want them to achieve. And when they don't achieve it, you're going, oh, I'm just going to stay here because I might risk losing the love that I crave for. I risk losing relationship with that person, even with that thing. And what happens is we often work hard to get what we desire, but instead we stay stuck in unhealthy relationships. We stay stuck in unhealthy relationships. You might say, what kind of relationships, Pastor Jeremy? I'm just going to list a few, but sometimes we get stuck in a controlling or manipulating relationship. We say, I'm stuck with you because you're a family. I'm stuck with you because we're friends for a long, long time. I'm stuck with you because whatever the case is, we have some sort of attachment that I cannot break. And because of that, we stay and we enable instead of empower or instead of you'll create those healthy boundaries and we enable them to control or manipulate the relationship. Or maybe uh, we have an emotionally unavailable relationship. Again, enabling takes place. We're stuck there and we're saying, oh, if this would just take place, if this would just, if they just would do this. Sometimes we have a boundaryless relationship. And by the way, I'm making up a lot of words in this series, all right? But a boundaryless relationship. Uh, And the list goes on and on and on. And here's what I want to do. I always want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to be able to help you identify your specific area in your life because that's what the Holy Spirit does. But I believe a lot of us, we have questions, even online as well. We have questions like, like, like I need something specific. I, I believe I, I want a relationship with, with, with whatever, with whomever, but I feel stuck because they're not, I mean, no relationship is a two-way street. But for so many times we say, I don't have blank in my life because they're supposed to be feeling blank in my life. And because they're not fulfilling the blank in my life, then I want to stay with them until magically, supernaturally, one day they do. It is my prayer that one day they do. It is my prayer that they do repent, change direction, go, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Let's begin a healthy relationship. I believe God can do that. But there's so many situations, so many scenarios that here's what I want you to do. Uh, I haven't quite decided what I want to do with this yet. This might be a Sunday morning. This might be a Facebook Live, all right? I don't know what to do with it yet, but I want to do some Q&A. And so text boundary 
to 702-727-8280. Text boundary. So get your phones out. It's okay. Get your phones out. Uh, all right. Get your phones out. If I see the thumb scroll, I'm totally judging you. All right. But get the phones out and text boundary to 702-727-8280. And you can text and you, uh, hit, that, hit that keyword. And when you text boundary to this number, it's going to send it out. And then when it sends it out, it's going to say, yo, what is your boundary question? And uh, it's going to be me because, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to preach as well. But uh, So text boundary and then confidentially uh, type in your question. And I want to have, and it really depends how many questions I get. Online audience, you do as well. Uh, really depends how many questions I get to help me determine what we do with this information. But I would love my very best to go through every question or most of the questions and say, this is what I believe a healthy boundary would look like. Is that okay, church? All right. I know. I know. We lost an hour. Isn't daylight savings time demonic? And it's just, it's got to be in the Bible somewhere, all right? It's up. Text boundary to 702-727-8280. Now, here's what I want to talk about today. Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to I talk about how do we get unstuck and how do we start building healthy boundaries? So how do I get unstuck and how do I begin to uh, start building healthy boundaries? So buckle up. We're going to take some notes. This could be fun today. But number one is I want you to own it. We got to own it. Can I just tell you, I am so grateful for Avenue Church. I am so grateful that we are a church. We own it. We own it. And when you own it, uh, man, you, you don't blame others. When we own it, we don't say, well, because of them, and because of if man, if they would just, here at Avenue Church, we own it. We own our own boundarylessness. We begin to own that. And so many of us, when we say, it's a new word I made up, right? And so many of us, we stay stuck in relationships, and we blame the other person for us being stuck. It's like if I took my truck and I drove in the mud and my truck stuck in the mud and it's not going anywhere, I go, it's the mud's fault. But how many know I need to get out of the mud? I need to get unstuck. So I want you to know our misery is not their fault. The problem is, is that we lack boundaries. And Pastor Jeremy needs to mute his Apple Watch because we got a whole lot of questions coming through. Come on, somebody. All right. My word, I really do get it, all right? And I like when people go, stop. I'm like, it's me. It's me, you know, stop. Like, all right, fine. I won't be available. Go find another pastor who doesn't want to be available, all right? So my misery is not your fault. Because the problem is we like boundaries. We like boundaries. This has been a powerful series. I wanted to stop this series at, at our fifth-year birthday and uh, the Lord just kept saying, keep going, keep going, because I believe boundaries is setting us free. Boundaries is holy. Boundaries is healthy. Boundaries is wonderful. So number one, we've got to own it. And really, you might have to leave here today and write down the areas of your life that you have no boundaries and you need to have boundaries. Because there's reasons why we don't have boundaries. And can I just tell you, we need to confess it, number two. But confessing it is not just, you know, well, this is what I'm going to do. Because that's so much easier said than done. Right, like I can go look in the mirror and go, man, I really need to lose like 10 pounds and get six-pack abs. But just because I say it doesn't mean I go out and do it or did it. I want you to know we got to confess it, but we also we have to confess the resistance. We have to confess the resistance. It is difficult for me to set a boundary because I desire this from them. Ooh, where you this is like better preaching today. I don't know what it is, right? But we got to confess it. And, and, and here's my challenge. We have to confess that you did not 
that confess that you do not want to set boundaries because we're afraid. And so many times when you're in an unhealthy relationship with somebody, they're dangling a carrot. And that if I close that relationship, I'm going to lose that carrot. I'm going to lose that benefit. I'm going to lose that relationship. I'm going to lose that person in my life. And we don't set boundaries because we're afraid. Romans chapter 7. Maybe this would be the new core value of Avenue Church, Romans chapter 7. For I do not understand my own actions, right? I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Is that life right there or what? Right? Like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't do it. Like, everyone's a really good coach, but bad athletes. Did you hear me? Like, some of us are like, you know what you need to do? You do it. Because we all know the information, but we can't apply it because we don't have boundaries. Because we don't have the, the, the we, we don't realize the power of the resistance inside of us. I think it's the code of many colors today. This is what it is today, right? For the very thing I hate, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, that I do not want, is what I keep doing. So what do I do? Man, you got to own it. You got to confess it. It is more than, and the Bible, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says if you, if you, uh, confess with your mouth that he is Lord of your life, right? He will, he will save you. But then another scripture says, when you confess to one another, he will heal you. So God will always get you to heaven, but he loves people so much that he wants to use people to help heal you. I don't have boundaries. Well, guess what? I got people in your life that'll help you establish those boundaries because God can't come down every single day and go, did you do it? But he's got people in your life that'll call you and say, did you go back? Or did you stay firm to your boundary? I did a little crazy look there too. I apologize. And so here's the next one is don't isolate, participate. Don't isolate, participate. We cannot face healing alone. And I say this according to God's word. God uses people in your life to achieve, to receive healing. And I know God will heal people instantly. Boom, done, totally healed, totally restored but he loves to use people in your life to keep you healthy, to keep us healed. He loves that. And so I said, don't isolate, participate, because it is so easy when we're stuck to get alone. It is so easy. And can I tell you, being alone is easier than have to share and confess with others. Doing life, is, it's not easy with other people because guess what? They have no boundaries. You know, or they do have boundaries. Like, like let me tell you, let me, let, me, let me rewind with that. As we do life with healthy people with boundaries, that helps us to establish healthy boundaries. Because now we have an example and go, oh, that's what it looks like. There are people in this church that I know that they have such wonderful boundaries and I'm learning after 20 years of ministry. Like, you can do that? You can say that? Like, that's incredible. Like, what are you thinking? Why don't you do it, you know? And those are things I'm learning as a leader. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says this, two are better than one. Can I get an amen? Two are much better than one. Success at Avenue is not what you did, it's who you brought along with you. So two is better than one because they have a good reward for the toil. And I want you to see this. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. You may break a boundary, 
but can I say, how do I say this? You may break a boundary. I don't use notes, by the way, right? Can you tell? You, you, don't, we, you may break a boundary, but it's okay if you got someone that'll pull you back. Because I break boundaries all the time. I, I make mistakes all the time. But I got people in my life, not just my wife, but I got men in my life that'll help me with my boundaries and with my health. And he said, but woe to him who is alone when he or she falls and has not another to lift he or she up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. <laughs> but how can... <laughs> this is a great pickup line, Ecclesiastes 4.11. <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> Valentine's Day, like, <laughs> hey, girl, Ecclesiastes 4.11, call me. <laughs> but put a ring on it, son. <laughs> ring before. <laughs> We're in church. <laughs> and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. Though someone will infringe on your boundary, you hear that? Though someone will infringe on your vision and your values, man, though someone will infringe on your life, man, two will withstand them. A threefold cord is not easily broken. This is why we are not a church with small groups. It's not just something on the side, and if I choose to do it, I do it. We are a church of small groups. And as we grow bigger, we go smaller through the context of small groups. And so I want you to find a group, even if it's today. I got a group on Tuesday at 12 to 1 p.m. You know, we got coffee on Fridays. We got men's breakfast once a month as well. Um, we have so many groups, Bible study groups. We have, we have uh, nourish uh, groups as well. We have all kinds of wonderful, wonderful groups. And I'm telling you, do not do life alone, especially in this climate, especially in this culture. AvenueChurch.cc forward slash groups. But here's the thing. You can get into a group. You could say, okay, I won't isolate. I'm going to participate. But you can get into a group and still not see life change because you may not be, you, you, may, you may have come out of isolation, but have you ever been in a room full of people and you're still alone? Have you ever been in a room full of people and you never shared? You never owned it and confessed it? And so maybe for somebody in this room, you don't need to put, you know, don't isolate, participate, but maybe you need to, don't isolate, but you need to communicate. Because you can cheat the system. You can cheat God's word. You can say, I did all the right things, and, and, and now I know church, but I didn't know God. And as you begin to know God, then you find freedom, and God loves using people to help us find freedom. This is good preaching today. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I'm just, I'm fired up today, all right? Fire it up. So don't isolate, communicate. But here's the next one. Identify what you will lose. Because behind the failure to set limits is the fear of loss. And so you need to, you, know, you own it, confess it. I'm going to isolate. Um, I'm, I'm, I won't, I, I, oh, Jesus help me, right? I'm going to own it, confess it. I will not isolate. I'm going to participate. I'm going to communicate. I'm going to identify what you will lose. Before, man, you find that healing, you're going to have to name the loss. You have to name, you know what? I've always wanted a brother. I've always wanted a father. I've always wanted a best friend. I've always wanted a, and you may have to identify the loss. 
you know what, uh, from this person, I want it love and adoration and what admiration. And, and, and I'm just, I'm not going to get it because it's unhealthy. It is unhealthy boundary. It is unhealthy boundary. You know, the, the more we do Avenue Church, I want you to know, I, w- I want to preach sermons that get us going and throwing chairs and I'm going to do the shout and things like that. But man, we want you healthy as well. Man, we want you healthy as well. Second Corinthians chapter 6, it says this. It says that we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, our heart is wide open, but you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. We, when, we, when we desire something, sometimes we lust after something, and that is an affection. Because of our affections, we are restricted, and we need to return wide with our hearts wide open. Can I tell you, every time I lose something, just like Job, uh, man, Job said, uh, though you, uh, you, you give and you take away, you give and you take away. As we say, God, this is unhealthy. I wish it could be, and I wish, I would, I wish this would occur. And can I just tell you, the hope is that when you close that and you step into the love of God and the hope of God and the joy of God and the peace of God, God will begin to bring spiritual fill-in-the-blanks into your life. Spiritual mother, spiritual father, spiritual brothers and sisters, spiritual friendships, those that will begin to help you. And so, man, we have to be able to write down, name the loss in your life and say, this is what I'm losing if I put up a boundary. And it's not, and it's not calling up and saying, it's not, when you set a boundary, it is not, I never want to see your face again. Guy, I've hated you for 25 years. No, it's saying, you know what, this is my boundary. And if you set a boundary, I'm telling you, when you set a boundary and it's an unhealthy relationship, you're going to lose that person because it's an unhealthy relationship. Does that make sense? But if there's hope in that relationship, they'll begin to see, oh, I didn't know. Because we never clearly communicated that boundary. And then here's the next one is, uh, second to the last one is, is let go. We got to let go. We got to let go. We own it. We confess it. We get in, in community of small groups. And you, here's, here's how cool God is. When you take that risk, man, when you have courage to step out and then you share, I'm, like, I'm going to participate. I'm going to communicate. God is so good that he brings people into your life that said, yeah, I know what that's like. You know, what, what, what you're about to lose or what you just lost, I lost that 10 years ago. And I know the pain you're going through. And there's people that God will bring into your life to help you with that healing. Because God loves to bring, man, he loves to bring those damaged and hurt people who got healed to to facilitate your healing. And I'm telling you, we're only as sick as our isolation. We're only as sick as our secrets. And so God is so good. And this is where you go, this is incredible. I never thought someone be, I never thought God would bring someone in my life so specific to my issue, to my loss, to my grief. So we got to let go, and I want to let you know that letting go will be like a funeral. Because to let go of what you never had is difficult. But in the end, you will save your life by losing it. You will save your life. You say, hey, boundary, you'll save your life by losing it. This scripture has come more alive in my life, right? I met, mm, and you'll walk away. For some of us, man, it, it, it can be before Christ. It could be sin. Some, some of us were Christians in this house, but you need to put your past 
to death because you glorify the before Christ days instead of the present days. Well, you know, back then in the club, I used to, you know, like, like you're crazy, you're a Christ follower. But man, we got to say, in the end, you will save your life by losing it. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 33, he says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Because there's so many things in our life that we just try to grab a hold of. If I could just have this, I'll be happy. If I could just have this, I'll be successful. If I just have this, I'll be fulfilled. I'll, be, I'll have joy in my life. And God says, lose all of that so that you can keep your life. Of course, he's talking about eternal life, kingdom of heaven. But how many remember, on earth as it is in heaven, God doesn't want us just to get to heaven. God wants us to bring heaven to our earth, to my life, to my life, to my life. And so as we let go, it could feel like, it could feel like a funeral. And I want you to know there's a major difference, though. As we let go, I got to talk about the F word today. We got to forgive. That, that just triggers somebody, by the way. <laughs> what kind of church is that? Yeah. We got to forgive. We got to forgive. We let go, we forgive. Because remember, if we own it, we're not blaming them. And when you, and, and, and so, as I read in the Bible, if, if, if someone's done something wrong against you, you bring someone with you and you confront that person and all those things. But most times, forgiveness ends up being in your heart. Most times, not all the time, most times. And you say, I, Jesus, today I forgive that person. And most times he doesn't heal you right away. And that's why it's daily. God, I forgive them. And one day you'll walk into a room and you'll see that person and you won't feel sick to your stomach. You'll go, I'm healed. I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I couldn't believe it. I just, I'm healed. But here's the thing. There's a major difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is not forgiveness. I forgive that person, and I, and I free them, and I own it. It's my responsibility, right? Uh, boundaries is, I'm, uh, I, you know, with my wife, I'm, I'm responsible uh, to you, but not for you. The major difference. But, man, forgiveness is not, I forgive you, and now I've allowed you back into my life. Because before there's reconciliation, there needs to be repentance on their part too. And, I wrote, and this is so powerful right here. For, uh, to forgiving them is not letting your boundary down. It's actually making your boundary stronger. And some of us, we have this picture in our mind that, man, if I forgive them, I got to lay down my boundary. And I forgive them. I expose myself. But really, when you say, God, I forgive them, your boundary gets stronger. Your boundary gets stronger. You know, I mean, even though our, our story, and uh, back in December, we, we have what's called a, a failed adoption. And when we had that failed adoption, we, we were sad, we, we grieved, we mourned, but we literally did a funeral. Family and friends came over, um, looked at pictures, great stories, things like that, prayed together, cried together. We literally had a funeral for someone who was still on this planet. We had a funeral. And in that funeral, every time we do funerals, we don't do, we don't do funerals for, for those that are gone. We do funerals for us, for us, to help us to, uh, man, heal, to help us, uh, man, to help us to reconcile in our own hearts and what takes place. Helps me to reconcile, God, if you are good, 
why this happened. God, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know why this took place, but God, I trust you. I feel like Job some days. Though you slay me, I will trust you. Though you slay me, I will trust you. And we grieve and we mourn. And so here's the very last part is don't look back. You know, open up a message with running and marathons and there's guardrails. You know, if you're running a race, did some research. If you're running a race and you want to, you know, get first or second or, 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 you know, fifth or 20th, you know, or whatever, you just want to complete that race and maybe you want to be a PR record, personal record or whatever it is. And now one of the worst things you can do if you're running a race, man, whether it's football, you kind of a ball and you're running down. Maybe it's running the first base or you're in a marathon. One of the worst things to do is to look back. Because as you run, there's two things that can happen as you look back. You run, you look back, man, you're revealing uh, your insecurity. And when you reveal your insecurity, it might fuel the person behind you. And they might go up and they'll have that extra burst. If you look back, you're going to lose your momentum in looking forward. Because the way our bodies is, we tend to go where we look. We tend to go where we look. And so don't look back. Don't look back. Galatians chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You were running well. You were doing so good. Jeremy, you were crushing it. But who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hit that boundary? Who do you allow that that wasn't healthy? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I have confidence in the Lord that you'll take no other view, and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty. And I love this. Whoever he is, let God deal with him. I'm going to deal with you. Therefore, since we're so surrounded, therefore, since we're not isolated, we're surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside, let us let go every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run. Come on, church, let us run. Let us run with endurance. How many know this life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Church planning is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It is a, this is the Christian life that is set before us looking to Jesus not looking back, but looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This might sound cliche but it's so powerful. Don't look back. I want you to look at Jesus. Don't look back. I want you to look at Jesus. And so this was Genesis 19. Talk about Lot and Lot's wife. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. An angel said, do not look back. Don't look back. Go to the next city. And Lot's like, can you, Lot's like, I don't run much. Can you not burn the city down until I get to the next city? And the angel's like, fine. And so he gets there, but Lot's wife was behind him and she looked back. She looked back and it hindered her. Turned into a pillar, pillar, pillar of salt. And man, so many of us, we look back. And can I tell you the danger of looking back, man? Just like the Israelites, they left slavery. They left something so unhealthy. But they're in the wilderness, and they said, this is uncomfortable. And because this is uncomfortable, 
I want to go back to dysfunction because dysfunction became my comfort. Instead of saying, man, look at the promises that God has for us. Look to Jesus. Jesus, you won't keep us in the wilderness forever, will you? But because they kept looking back, a 11-day journey became a 40-year journey because they kept looking back. But Jesus brings up Lot. Now, I'm not Pastor Lindsay. I don't hang out in the Old Testament too much. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, guys, hey, hey, listen up. Hey, whoa, disciples. Remember Lot's wife? You remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. You remember Lot's wife? I love this. Jesus said, you remember Lot's wife? She looked back. I love that. Remember Lot's wife? She looked back. Hey, hey, remember Lot's wife? She looked back. Remember Lot's wife? She looked back. Jesus wants us to remember because remembering is different than looking. Remembering is different than looking back. I love Jesus in 1 Corinthians. He said that the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. We had given thanks. He broke it. said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. Man, don't look back. But remember what I did so you can be free. Remember what I did. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying the cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It was so interesting. The same uh, word that was used for remember Lot's wife is found right here in communion, in remembrance of me. And this is what it means when Jesus says, remember me. It means to remember. It means to keep thinking about. And it means to recall again and again. How many know we have spiritual insomnia sometimes, right? Like we forget things, right? Like spiritual uh, amnesia, there's the right word, you know? Like, like I just forget sometimes and I get unhealthy. I forget sometimes and I infringe on a boundary. I forget sometimes and I look back to the good old days. I forget sometimes and Jesus says, I need you to recall again and again and again because to remember means to hope. If he was faithful then, church, he'll be faithful now. Come on, next slide. Bam. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful again. So do me a favor. I want you to get your communion elements out. If you did not receive a communion, I want you to know it is okay to receive it in this house. This is Avenue Church, right? And so if you don't have one of these, raise your hand. Our, our amazing worship host, they're going to give it. They are ready in the back already. If you don't have communion, uh, and I want you to know, I'll help you take communion. It is okay to take communion. Two up front here real quick. It is okay to take communion over here, two on the side as well. And uh, I want to talk about communion real quick. But I want you to know, on this top, there's a little wafer. So I want us to get ready. But as we take communion together, I want you to prepare your elements. But here's what the Bible says about communion. And I don't know, do I have that last slide up anywhere or did I miss that one? And so we have a slide on there that says, I want you to, I want you to recall and remember, but I also want you to examine. The Bible says that if we do communion in an unworthy manner. That man, it could be a difficult thing for us. And so for us, when we take communion, we say, Jesus, I examine my heart today. If I have any unforgiveness towards somebody, man, if I have any sin in my life, 
any addictions in my life. Jesus, forgive me. But even during this time of communion, I want you to forgive them. Forgive those in your life that have hurt you. And anytime I talk about forgiveness, I always say it's the F word because there's so many times that it's a difficult word to do and say because, man, we can sit down and have coffee together and I'll agree with you. And I'll go, that is disgusting. That is terrible. How dare they? But man, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. Because say, God, I forgive. I forgive. So and during this time, I want you to get your communion ready. We got the, uh, man, here's the body of Christ as well as the grape juice. I just want you to just take a moment before I lead you in communion to say, Jesus, I reflect, I examine. I reflect and I examine. Go ahead, worship team. Just help us reflect and to examine this morning. Jesus, forgive me as I forgive them. Forgive me as I forgive them. Forgive me as I forgive them. Holy Spirit, move when you have your way. Something has to break. Oh, Holy Spirit, move when you have your way. Something has to break. Tear down every lie and set the wrong thing right. Cause when you have your way, something has to break. Oh, oh, something has. night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, which represents his body being broken on that cross, and he was broken for us. And so Jesus, I'm going to say thank you. We remember you today. The Father, your blood and your body heals us, restores us. So Father, I just speak healing over our bodies here today. But Father, not only our bodies, but our minds and our spirits. So the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, do this and remember me. Go ahead, eat the bread. Mm. 
And then he took the cup. At the time that he had, it was red wine. Today we have grape juice. And the color represents the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says, by his blood, by his stripes, we are healed. And so Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for being like a lamb to the slaughter. Thank you for paying the price for our sins. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for our healing and our redemptiveness. So if you're here today, I want you to take the juice. I want you to drink it as well. Will you stand with me, please? Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to take a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, I thank you. Help us not to look back, but help us to remember. Father, I thank you for testimonies. Father, I thank you for stories. Father, I thank you for experiences, God. Father, I thank you for all the elements in our life that you use for your praise and your glory. And so, God, I pray today, help us to not be stuck in this room today. Help us to be able to establish healthy boundaries today. Father, I pray for uh, healing in our bodies, healing in our minds, but courage and strength, God. Courage to step out into community. Courage to, to own it. Courage to confess it. Courage to not isolate, Father. Father, give us courage today. Father, to let go, Father. Give us courage today to trust you. Father, give us courage today to allow you into our hearts. Give us courage today to be our Lord and our Savior. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe you're going to lead me through it, Father. I believe you're going to do something extraordinary in my life. So do me a favor, church. We raise your hands. We just worship him today and say, God, I'm going to take 30 seconds to remember. I'm going to take 30 seconds to worship you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm God's masterpiece today. Come on, church. You will do it right now. 
Dear Jesus, say thank you for paying for what I did. Say thank you for dying on the cross. I repent of my sins. Say be Lord of my life. Say the best way you know how, I'm going to live for you. Say I don't know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. 